0: Well, today, we're concluding our message series called Adventurous Living. And Jesus spoke of two roads in life a wide road and a narrow road. And the life of adventure that God calls us to is walking with Jesus along this narrow road. And the destination of this narrow road is life. The wide road, on the other hand, the destination is destruction. And that's where most of the people are walking. Most of the people you know are walking down. This wide road. And so, in order to walk with God, we need to be walking down this narrow road. And the adventure that God has called us to is to work with God and bring people who are walking down the wide road to walking with Jesus on the narrow road. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I've entitled it Adventure Goal. And so the goal of our life of adventure is to be used by God to transform people's lives are walking down this wide road, they don't know that it's leading to destruction, rescuing them before they go off the end and bringing them to the narrow road, which leads to life. Now in order to do that, you've got to live differently than the crowd. Our image for this message series is all these gray people walking in the same way. These are people walking down the wide road, and the, the, red, the red person is somebody walking down the narrow road. He stands out. They stand out. They're different. They're not like everybody else. And so, in order to rescue people, we've got to live life differently. We've got to talk differently than the people that are going down the wide road. You and I are never going to achieve God's purpose for our lives if we live like the rest of the crowd. If we live to please God. The crowd. And so God has called every believer to be different. God's called every believer to stand out, to be strong and courageous. And so today I want to introduce this concept of adventure goal by looking at a parable of Jesus before we get into the main points. And this parable is often called the parable of the sower. So in this parable that Jesus taught, a sower goes out to sow seed. He's looking to reap a harvest. That's why you sow seed. And this seed is God's word. The sower, of course, represents Jesus, and it represents each and every believer. And so the the sower sows seed, the seed of God's word, to all kinds of people. In fact, in this parable, we're going to be talking about four kinds of people. And these kinds of people are represented by the different kinds of soil. So let's look at how Jesus describes what happens when the sower sows this seed in different, to different kinds of people. You can follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. Matthew 13:9 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And so some people's hearts are, are hard. They're like a well-trodden path that no seed can penetrate. The truth of God's word cannot penetrate their hearts And Satan, the evil one, takes that truth and snatches it away. The second type of soil, Jesus mentions in verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, the second type of soil, this is the one who hears the word of God and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And so some other people receive God's word quickly, with joy. They think, this is great. They become believers, but their hearts are shallow. The truth of God's word isn't able to put roots down. They're shallow believers. And the word does not penetrate deeply. And when problems arise, when things aren't going so smoothly because of their newfound belief, then they fall away. The life of God dies in their lives. The next kind of soil is told about to us in verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And so yet others hear the word of God and it penetrates into their lives, it begins to grow, it's speaking of like a plant, but other things are growing in their hearts as well. The Bible calls these things thorns, and these thorns are growing as well. The thorns that are mentioned are the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, going after money, worrying about all the things that the people in the world worry about, and the thorns are not removed, and they grow up, and they grow faster than the Then the life of God and the thorns choke out the life of God in the person's life, and it dies. Finally, in verse 23, the fourth kind of soil spoken of. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. And so this finally is the good soil. It's the person who hears the word of God. He understands it. Implicit in understanding is putting it into practice, letting it penetrate deep into his life. And the word of God grows and ultimately bears fruit. And you notice that different believers bear different amounts of fruit. Nothing wrong with that. That's just the way God made us. But a true believer will always bear fruit for God. And so this parable prepares us for the work of being Jesus' witness because as we're witnesses for Jesus, we are sowing the seed of God's word. We are sowing the seed of God's word into the lives of people around us. And just as in Jesus' parable, the people around us could be represented by these four different kinds of soil. They have different hearts. And so here are some takeaways that will help us As we witness for Jesus. First of all. You don't know what kind of soil a person's heart is. You can't see into a person's heart. And sometimes we say this person would never come to God. This is a hard heart. Why bother? That's kind of what that movie was about. Why bother with. With somebody. But God is able to work. But we don't know what kind of soil a person's heart is. And so we sow the seed of God's word. We sow the truth of God to everyone we know. Now if someone doesn't receive God's word, the fault is not in the truth. The fault is not in God's word. The fault is not in the sower. Where's the fault? The fault is in the soil. The soil did not receive. It wasn't good soil. So don't take it personally when somebody doesn't respond to your witness. Don't give up. Those who believe need lots of help. Those who fell away, two out of the three had an initial belief, but they fell away. New believers need lots of help so that the Word of God can continue to grow and ultimately bear fruit in their lives. And we must remember that prayer can change the quality of soil of a person's heart. Somebody may have a very hard heart, or a rocky heart, or a thorny heart. But prayer can change that soil over time. So let's turn now to see how we can sow God's word into people's hearts on a regular basis. We're going to talk about the benefits of following Jesus. You know, in order for somebody to change their lives to to believe in something they've never believed in before, they must be able to see some benefit in it. They must see the benefits of following Jesus. Now, these benefits are all tied up in having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so when a person makes a decision to follow Jesus, they become a child of God. That's an amazing thing. God becomes their father, a father that they can talk to on a personal level. And when we have that relationship with God as our father, we don't need to worry. We don't need to fear about anything in life because God, our Heavenly Father, is going to take care of us. So let's look a little more closely at the benefits of of following Jesus, of becoming a disciple of Jesus. What does God offer to everyone in the world? First of all, he offers to forgive our disobedience. John 3.16, arguably the most famous verse in the Bible, says, For God so loved the world, that includes all the unbelievers, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so what's implicit in this verse is that our disobedience, our sin has separated us from a relationship with God. And ultimately, that disobedience, that sin will result in people spending eternity apart from God in a place of torment called hell. Jesus taught about on many occasions. But God loved people so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to make a way for people to be forgiven. Jesus took the punishment for our sin, the punishment that we deserved by dying on the cross. He took that upon himself and he paid the price by dying so that we would not have to die eternally in a place called hell. And God raised him from the dead, showing that he accepted Jesus' payment for our sin. And that made possible for us to have eternal life and eternal life with Jesus Christ by simply believing in Jesus Christ. That is the essence of the gospel. And every person on this planet is plagued by guilt, by condemnation for their sin, for the wrong things that they, they have done. Now, it may, they may try to cover it up. They may try to mask it, but it is there in each and every person. And so the forgiveness that God offers, no matter how bad or how heinous the sin, that forgiveness restores, when we accept it, restores our relationship with God and removes our guilt and shame. That forgiveness gives us a fresh start in life, a life with God. And that life with God is something that every person in their heart of hearts wants and desires. And that is the benefit, first benefit of forgiveness. Secondly, God offers to be our friend, to have a relationship with us. John 1.12, and of course, all these benefits, they, they tie in together. They're really not separate, but we're just talking about them that way in this point. John 1.12 says, For all who did receive him, that is Jesus, who believed in his name, Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we see here that becoming a believer involves receiving Jesus, Inviting Him into our lives and believing in Him. Putting our trust and faith in Him. And the benefit is that we become children of God. As we said before, God is our Father and Jesus becomes our friend. And what benefit is it to have God as your friend? Well, with God as your friend, you have a friend in high places. The highest of places. The one who created the universe you have a personal relationship with. You know, you, when you, people want to have relationships with people in power, right? Because it may benefit you. If you want to be friends with the governor or friends with the president or whatever. But we can be friends, have a relationship, not just a friend actually, it's friends, yes, but to become the children of God, the children of the creator of the universe. And Jesus has promised to help us with any difficulties that we face in life, to provide for us, to provide for every need that we have. Sometimes when you're young, you might dream of having a millionaire friend. Or you could just call up on the phone and say, I've got a little problem here. Can you, with this bill, can you help me out? And... God is a friend like no other. He is better than any millionaire friend. His friendship is worth more than all the money in the world. Because money can't solve every problem. But with God, nothing is impossible. And so when you're discouraged, he will encourage you. When you need healing, he will be there to bring his healing touch. When you need resources, he will be your supply. And we could go on and on. And so as a disciple of Jesus... You become part of God's family. You become a child of God. And you're going to be his child forever and ever. It's never going to end. Thirdly, God offers to lead us to follow him. John 15, 14. We talked about this last Sunday, but we'll talk about it again. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And so in this verse, Jesus is talking to his disciples about being his friends. And he makes it clear that in order to be a friend of Jesus... You have to do what he commands. And some might say, well, what's the benefit? You know, I mean, he, he's commanding me to do things. What's the benefit in that? Well, first of all, you can't be a follower of Jesus unless you follow Jesus. I'm, I'm a Christian, which means a follower of Jesus. Like, are you following Jesus? Are you doing what he says? Jesus here makes it plain. If you're not doing what I say, you're not my friend. You're not a follower of mine. Those two go together. Now, to follow Jesus is to obey his commands to go where he leads. So what's the benefit of that? Well, there's incredible benefit in that because God created you. He has a perfect plan for your life. He knows the future. He knows your past. He knows the resources that he can give to you. And God wants to lead you in every step of this perfect plan that he has for your life. And so when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what decision to make, God knows. And he wants to give you direction. We might call it he wants to command you to go right rather than left because left is going to be a disaster. I want to go right then, not left. I want to obey him because he knows best. Oftentimes we think we know best. That's really laughable, isn't it? To know better than the creator of the universe who made us, he knows best. We just need to follow his plan. That's a wonderful benefit of following Jesus. So we talked about three benefits of following Jesus. Forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins, the wrong things that we do. He wants to be our friend, to never leave us or forsake us. And he wants to guide us. Now, how can we communicate these benefits to other people? Well, we can tell them about them. But one way, another way than just simply telling them the benefits is simply to share how these benefits are working in our own lives. If we're believers, then all these benefits are working in our lives. Each and every day. How has God forgiven you in the past? It's something you can share with somebody else. Because everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody has done wrong things. And everybody knows they've done wrong things. And those wrong things weigh on them. God can forgive. How has God answered your prayers and given you help? You can tell somebody else. And what will that do? It will give them hope that if they believe in Jesus, that God will answer their prayers and give them help as well. How has God given you direction and guidance in your life? God wants to do that for them. The second way to communicate these benefits is simply to offer to pray when your friend has an issue. We learn from the scripture that God blesses people who aren't even believers. Do you believe that? Did when Jesus fed thousands of people, did he make them come up and say they were going to follow him the rest of their lives before he fed them? When God healed all these people, he blessed people and those that understood, those that had thankful, grateful hearts began to follow him, but not all did. And so God loves to show that He's real to unbelievers, so that they will turn to Him. And so you can pray for unbelievers, and God will answer you. He loves to do it. God loves to prove that He's alive and real. And so pray for people <clears throat> when people uh, people that you know, if you're their friend they will tell you about problems in their lives, right? We might call it grumbling or complaining, and we don't want to hear this stuff, but it's an opportunity. If They have problems in their lives, things that they are struggling with. It's an opportunity for us to pray for them, for them to see that God is going to work and that God is truly real. Another way to sow the seed of God's word is simply to invite them to church. They're going to hear God's word each and every Sunday. Coming up is Easter Sunday, next Sunday, April 1st, a Sunday on which most people are likely to respond to an invitation. So I'd encourage you uh, to invite people to pray about, invite people to our Easter service next Sunday. I'd like us to watch a short video called uh, Easter, Who Will You Invite? So pray this week about who God would have you to invite to our Easter service next Sunday. Then be bold, be courageous, and invite them. And uh, you can use the Come Alive invitations that should be in your bulletin. We've got a number of them in there. And we encourage you to use those as well. And may be able to engage in conversation with them about the resurrection possibly. But on Easter Sunday, guess what we're going to talk about? Anybody have a clue? We're going to talk about the resurrection and uh, come alive, that Jesus is alive and he wants us to come alive uh, through the resurrection to have new life in Christ. And so there are more invitations out there on the resource table in the foyer. If you want some extra ones, we encourage you to hand them out to people, leave them in places where people might pick them up, and, uh, and don't forget to pray. Pray that God would use the seeds that we sow to touch people's lives. Even if the person doesn't show up on Easter Sunday, the seed that you planted may make a difference in their life. And as you do get an opportunity to invite people, pray that the soil of their hearts would be receptive, uh, that they would have the opportunity to come and that they would have ears to hear and that God would lead them closer to himself. So, as a believer, there are times when we talk to people, when we witness to people, there will come times when somebody wants to know how to become a believer. Many people are very confused about what it means to be a believer or a Christian. They don't know. I I would dare say the majority of people in the United States, well, the vast majority believe that they're Christians. And when you ask them, the vast majority doesn't know what it means to be a Christian. And so we will have opportunities to share how to become a believer. So let's briefly go over how to begin following Jesus. Paul wrote in Colossians 4, he says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it. Which is how I ought to speak. So one of the ways that we can pray is, as Paul instructed here, pray that that how Paul prayed. Pray that God would open the door of people's hearts to respond. It's as if doors are closed. You see, doors are closed to the word of God, and prayer can open doors. It's another way of saying some people's hearts are hard, and prayer can soften the soil of people's hearts. And so God wants each and every one of us to be able to speak clearly. Paul even said he ha- had prayer that, asked for prayer that he would be able to make it clear. Sometimes we don't make things clear. It's kind of all muddy, and and we... Uh, we don't want to really be blunt with people about sin and admitting that you've sinned. And with, we, we don't present the whole picture to people and it, they don't understand. So God wants us to be able to make it clear to people. Now, we go over this every Sunday, some Sundays kind of quickly, uh, but part of it is to give an opportunity every Sunday. If you bring someone here, they're going to have an opportunity to give their heart to the Lord. Without fail, they're going to have an opportunity. Secondly, the reason we do it every Sunday is so that you should be able to to understand how to lead somebody to Christ in your sleep, okay? Uh, you hear it every Sunday, so don't zone out uh, when we go through it. But we're going to go through it again here uh, using some scriptures. We don't always use scriptures, but let's go through it again. And this is a, a the short... It's often called the Roman's Road to Salvation. This is the really short way, but if you have a Bible, you can remember these three verses and show people how this is based on Scripture. So the first is A, right? This is the ABCs. Anybody remember the ABCs? First of all, ask for forgiveness from Jesus. We say, admit that you've sinned. It's the same thing. Admit that you've sinned. Ask for forgiveness. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned. It's absolutely certain no matter who you're talking to. You're not going to meet a perfect person. Everybody has sinned. And they have all. They all need forgiveness. Everybody has fallen short of the plan that God has for their lives. They're not walking in the way that God created them to live. That's true of every person that you're going to meet. And so a person must admit that they have sinned, they must repent, turn away from that sin, and ask God to forgive them in order to become a follower of Jesus. They next must believe and receive Jesus as their friend. Romans 6.23, that was Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23 now is, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the end result of sin is, that is not forgiven is eternal death. That's what's at the end of the wide road. It's destruction. It's hell. Well, people don't like to talk about that, right? But it's what Jesus talked about. It's what the Bible says. It's, it's a very clear uh, destination. It's a very clear teaching. But God offers this gift of eternal life to every person. He offers this gift of eternal life to who? To those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those that believe, not that Jesus lived and died. You see, if Jesus just lived and died, we have no hope. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again. We, we believe to receive a living Christ into our lives and hearts, not a belief in a dead person. Jesus is alive. You must believe, well, we'll see that in a minute. You must believe that Jesus is alive, that he's been raised from the dead in order to be saved. Otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense. And so by accepting him, we become a child of God. We become a friend of God. So believe. So A, admit that you've sinned or ask for forgiveness. B, believe in Jesus Christ. And C, commit to following Jesus as your leader. Romans 10:9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, what? That God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so you must believe in your heart. We've already talked about that, but you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, what does that mean? Uh, It doesn't mean just saying the words. I mean, you have to mean what you say. It has to come from your heart. To confess that Jesus is Lord means that you're going to follow him as the leader in your life. You're going to ask for, you're going to receive and follow his direction and guidance through the word of God and through the spirit of God. You give up the reins of your life. You're not going to call the shots anymore. You're saying, Jesus, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Whatever I read in the Bible, I'm going to do it. You're going to follow his plan for your life, not your own any longer. And actually point C is the one that's omitted by many people people's calls for people to be saved. And without C, a person is not saved. There's a wrong teaching that goes around that I can accept Jesus to forgive my sins and then I can do whatever I want because I'm forgiven. No, you can't. You have to confess that Jesus is Lord. You can't go on living however you want to live. There's a teaching that I can accept Jesus as Savior and then maybe if I'm convicted, I can make him Lord of my life. No, if he's not Lord of your life, you're not saved. Doesn't matter. A lot of people want to have their sins forgiven, go to heaven and live whatever way you want. It doesn't work. You're not a Christian that way. You ha- he has to be your Lord. And so it's not complicated to be a, a disciple of Jesus. The person you're talking to must simply pray and do those three things. A child, four or five years old, some of them can remember I was saved when I was four, can understand those things, at least to some extent, and become a believer. Again, many people today consider themselves Christians. So if you ask somebody, are you a Christian? And they say yes. By statistics, you must assume they're probably not. Now, you don't tell them that. okay? but you ask, you know, how did you become a Christian? Why, Why do you think you're a Christian? And then you listen. And if it doesn't include those steps, then they're not. You can't become a Christian by simply believing in God. Many people think, I believe in God, I'm a Christian. No, that's that's not. Of course, you have to believe in God, but there's other things you have to do. You, you aren't a Christian because you're trying to be a good person. That doesn't make you a Christian. You're not a Christian because you are baptized. You're not a Christian because you go to church. You become a Christian by A, B, C. I won't go over it again. And so... <clears throat> When you're talking to someone, you can pray with them. I'd encourage you, if they're to that point, to pray with them. Or you can invite them to church, and guess what they're going to hear here? They're going to hear the same thing. They're going to get another opportunity to give their life to the Lord. If you lead somebody to the Lord, invite them to come to church because they need a church family in which they can grow and solidify their faith. We have a booklet out there in the foyer called Fresh Start, or it's actually called Startup Studies, and we encourage you, if people uh, you know come to church and are are saved, people you invite or somebody you talk to, get one of those and and go through it with them. It'll give them some of the basics uh, over uh, four short lessons. So the benefits of being a disciple of Jesus are forgiveness, friendship with God, and direction for your life. And so if you're a believer here today, God has given you the gift of salvation, and he wants you to spread that gift to others. He wants you not to keep it to yourself, but to tell others about it, being a witness for Jesus. That's the primary reason we're still here on this earth. In fact, that's why Jesus hasn't come back again, because there's more people yet to be saved. And so let's pray and believe God. To help us to sow seeds into people's lives this coming Easter and for the rest of this year and the rest of our lives. So today, as I promised, we're going to pray this simple prayer, this ABC prayer. And if you haven't prayed it before, I'd encourage you to pray it with me. Or if you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord this morning, uh, pray it as well. So let's bow our heads right now and we're going to pray. You can pray in your own heart. Say something like this. Father, today... I admit that I've sinned. I've been doing things my own way, not your way. And I know that's wrong. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, took the punishment for my sins upon himself, that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe that you rose from the dead and you're alive today. I commit my life to following you as my Savior and my Lord. I commit myself to following everything that you say. In Jesus' name, amen.